Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain co-editor Dave Schofield coming at you. It's Thursday morning. We are exactly three weeks from the start of the 2021 NFL Draft. And the free agent frenzy has pretty much died down in the NFL. And we're kind of in that lull. We're kind of in that holding pattern as we prepare for the draft um, kind of interesting, you know, a lot, not a ton of stuff going on. I mean, it's not like the middle of June to the end of July when there's really nothing leading up to training camp, but it's one of those times of the year that it's kind of like everyone's, all the NFL teams are doing their prep. They're figuring things out and, and that's what's going on. Had a couple really good questions that I was, that I was looking at for this week and uh, one of them was actually brought up to me last week. And then the other, I thought, oh, I'll do that one too. But here the first one got to be so much and so involved that I had to just go with just this one. So I've got another good question for you next week as well. Um, and it's dealing with with some draft stuff. But this one this week, oh, man, this is going to be interesting. This comes courtesy of me getting called out by one Brian Anthony Davis on the Steelers preview last Thursday night about trying to compare how the Steelers draft over the last 20 years with all the other NFL teams and how involved that would be and how much it would be. And he kind of laid the challenge out there. And I'm like, 
you know what? I'm not going to do it for the preview because, frankly, that's a show that I just kind of, you know, I get my trivia ready. I go there. I talk to the to the guys about stuff. But my Stat Geek show, this takes prep. This takes digging. And I'm like, if I'm going to dig that deep into something, then I'm doing it for Stat Geek. So this is where we are. This is what we're doing. And here we go. Here's the issue with looking at when you're wanting to try to compare how teams draft. And that is there are about 6 million different combinations of things you could look at in order to try to determine who's best at drafting. And even, and you can even look at what you define as best drafting, you know, are you talking about having more superstar players? Are you talking about more having quality key pieces? Are you talking about players that just actually last more than two seasons in the league? There's so many different things you can look at. So bottom line is I decided I was going to come up with my own. And I will tell you, I had no idea where this was going to lead me as I did these things. I had no idea how the Steelers would fare. I just kind of set some stuff up because I thought it made sense. And I might have done some things that you think is a little screwy, a little squirrely. Um, And if that's the case, then you can just kind of dismiss what I was doing. But I did it because, to me, it kind of made sense. And I'm sure... All eight people that are listening to this, I'm kidding. I know there's a lot more than eight people that listen to this podcast. All of you out there in podcast land listen to this podcast. I am sure that you would tweak this method somewhat. I know it. I, I And I know you could probably tell me, okay, here's what's wrong with what you did. And I'm fine with that. It's just what I did based on the information that I had and what I was doing. So let's dive into exactly what it was that I determined that I was looking at with players when they were drafting. I'll compare it. I'll look at the AFC North and then we'll look at the AFC as a whole. And then we'll look at the, you know, bring the NFC into it and look at the entire NFL because it's, it's really intriguing how some of this goes down. Um, The, the discrepancies with some things is going to be interesting But this. Let's get started to tell you what I did. I, I'm someone who uses pro football reference an awful lot to get my statistics. Um, I, they, I like the way they have it set up. I know it's right now you have to have a subscription to their stat head portion of it, which of course, you know, being the stat geek, of course I got to try to do something like that in order to be able to crunch more of these numbers. So everything that I'm bringing to you is coming courtesy of pro football reference. Now, Pro Football Reference uses something, and Brian Anthony Davis has used this in the past to help him answer some questions, like when he was, oh, last season, when he was looking at, like, Digit Dynasty or whatever, who wore it best. I can't remember what it was called. And he was looking at the players that wore certain numbers and who and what kind of career they had. He used, he was looking at this, so I, I look at it as well, and it, it's something called approximate value. It's something that pro football references come up with in order to try to put a numerical value on the quality of a player's season and then to the next extent, their career. So I'm going to read to you a quote directly from um, pro football reference. The person who came up with this, let's see, his name was, I'm going to scrub his name, Doug Drennan. I'll, I'll say Drennan. I'll go with that. Okay, well, he does this AV metric that they came up with. And this is what he said about it. He says, essentially, this is right from profootballreference.com from their website. Essentially, AV is a substitute for and a significant 
improvement upon metrics like number of seasons as a starter or number of times making the Pro Bowl or things of that nature. Well, it says or the like. Sorry, I shouldn't ad lib. (laughs) You should think of it as being essentially like those two metrics, but with with um, interpolation in between. That is, number of seasons as a starter is a reasonable starting point if you're trying to measure, say, how good a particular draft class is or what kind of player you can expect to get with the number 13 pick in the draft. But obviously, some starters are better than others. Starters on good teams are, as a group, better than starters on bad teams. Starting wide receivers who had lots of receiving yards are, as a group, better than starting wide receivers who did not have many receiving yards. Starters who made the Pro Bowl are, as a group, better than starters who didn't, and so on. And non-starters aren't worthless, so they get some points too. That's how he explained this assigning of points that they give in this AV number. Now, I'm going to bring up a a player just to give you an idea of what they do with each season. I'm looking at one Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger that um, his best season had an AV score of 15. And that was 2014, which I've long said was his best statistical uh, season of his career. The worst, obviously, was 2019, where he had an AV of one because he only played two games. Um, Throw that one out, and they actually have his worst one as last year as a nine. So he's between nine and 15 for all these. He He had 14s in a bunch of seasons, 2007, 2009, 2017. And uh, in 2018, he even was a 14. Um, Like his rookie season in 2004, he had a score of an 11 and and things of that nature. So you get these raw approximate value scores per season, but then they also break it down into something else for your career. And this is called weighted career approximate value. And, And what they do is that they found that it's a better representation by they look at all the years of the career that they've had, whether current or if they're done, and they take the the best season and that's they take 100% of that score. Then they take 95% of the second best season plus 90%, I think I said this right, 95% of the second best season, 90% of the third best season, 85% of the fourth best season, and so on and so on and so on all the way down in order to then they add those numbers up to get a, a, a weighted career approximate value. Okay. Now that you could also use approximate value where it's just the total of all of them, but the weighted one actually carries more. So Bottom line is, this is a score where where Pro Football Reference has used this to value what kind of season a player had, taking multiple things into account. Their stats, how much they played, how well the team did, all these things. Um, And so I, I personally think it's a pretty good metric. So I was using these AV scores. Now, I go back to the draft and say, okay, what am I going to do here? I go to the draft and I say, we're going back to 2000. That's a good starting point. That's when Kevin Colbert started. We'll just say this millennium. Some say I could have done 2001, but I didn't. I did 2000. So it's 21 seasons, not 20 or 21 drafts. Sorry, not 20. And it's, it is what I did. And that was the setting I did. So I rolled with it. So what I did was I looked at players drafted by that team. Now I'm not looking at their AV. Just with that team, I'm looking at their career-weighted AV, meaning 
it could have been a player drafted by the Steelers that went on and had a great career somewhere else. A prime example, I don't have his AV in front of me, would be Mike v- Mike Vrabel. Drafted by the Steelers, couldn't break the starting lineup, couldn't get because of the other linebackers ahead of him, went on, had a nice career in New England and Kansas City. So someone like that, they're still going to be credited for being drafted by the Steelers because we're looking at how well you evaluate evaluate talent and draft. And you're saying, oh, well, is that really the best way to do it? You know what? That's the way I could work the numbers. There's no way I could have really gone around that and been able to to pull this off um, in the last six days compiling all these numbers. So I did that. So what's interesting about that is um, like Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers counted for opposite teams. Like Eli Manning counted for the Chargers and Phillip Rivers counted for the Giants. But for the two of them, it's a wash anyway, based on what I was doing. What I did was I looked at the number of players drafted since 2000 that had a a weighted career AV of 50 points or more. Then I also looked at how many of them had 20 points or more. And then I looked at the number of total picks that team had made in since 2000. Because obviously, if you're making less picks, you have less of a chance. But I, I use that number later on. Um, and you're saying, okay, well, why'd you do 50? Why'd you do 20? Because I kind of broke it into 50 I'm looking at as like superstar players. Um, nobody had, wait, with the exception of one, we're, we're looking at you don't get more than one in a season on average. So these are, are high or high quality players. But if you look at 20 or above, you're looking at people that were in the NFL long enough to have a significant career. I'm calling them, what did I call them? Key contributors. You know, they could even be, I mean, even more towards a superstar level and everything. So that's what I did. And I went down and I did all of this for, first I did just the AFC North, then I went to the whole AFC. And I found out that, okay, the Pittsburgh Steelers have had 17 players They drafted since 2000 that has a a career-weighted AV. I'm just going to call it AV for now, so I don't have to keep saying all that stuff. Of 17, or sorry, 17 of them had it at 50 or more. 46, which also includes those 17, um, had a score of 20 or more out of a total of 167 draft picks. I looked at the rest of the AFC North. Baltimore, you know, so Pittsburgh was 17 and 46. Baltimore was 13 and 49. So they didn't have as many at the top, but they had a few more um, in the 20s. But they also had 180 draft picks. Then Cincinnati had 13 and 45, not that far behind Baltimore, believe it or not, but out of 183 draft picks. And then Cleveland, they had seven in the top 50 and 41 in the top 20. Now, I will tell you this. Chances are players drafted in the last three years are not going to, I mean, they could, if they had, I mean, in the last couple of years, if they're really good, get into 20 points. They're not going to get this far because it's kind of like, you know, how it takes a few years to really analyze if it was a good draft or not. This is kind of going to cover the same thing because those players don't have a chance to get there yet, but we're, we're including all those years. So I said, well, let's, let's just look at it from the superstar standpoint and just look at it as pure numbers. Steelers 17, Ravens 13, Bengals 13, Cleveland 7. But then I came up with a really interesting thought. I'm like, to get to my ultimate number I judged on. 
if you're drafting in the top 10, you should be drafting superstars. I'm sorry. If you're drafting in the top 10, you should be drafting superstars. So what I decided to do was take the number of picks each franchise has had in the top 10 since 2000 and subtract it from those numbers of players that were at 50 or above to give a better a better score. I'm just subtracting those two numbers to get a score. That's what I chose because I thought it made sense. So the Steelers are at 15 because they only had two picks in the top 10 where the Ravens have had four, the Bengals had nine, and the Browns have had 13. So if you look at those scores, Pittsburgh would have a score of 15, Baltimore would have a score of nine, Cincinnati would have a score of four, and Cleveland would have a score of negative six. That's my breakdown. So I've said that Pittsburgh is in the AFC North. They're your top, they're your top team for drafting superstars over the last 21 years, with Baltimore somewhat behind. Um, but Bob, don't trust me, Baltimore catches up in, in the other metric that we'll get to in a little bit. So then I went to the entire AFC. I don't want to run down every single number with you because it would probably make your brain hurt. But there's there were some interesting ones. Um I'll tell you this, there were four teams, sorry, four, not four additional, four total teams, counting the Steelers, that had 17 players, exactly 17 players that that were at 50 or higher with their AV. And those four teams were the New England Patriots, you know, obviously the Pittsburgh Steelers, New England Patriots. I'll tell you this, it was the, the Los Angeles Chargers and shockingly the New York Jets. So the Jets are some has some very interesting stuff when it comes to drafting. And here's what I found. The Jets draft good players. But a lot of times they do even better when they leave the Jets. If that makes sense at all. So the Jets draft good players. But then they go on, you know, perfect example. Um, you know, um, Larry Foote was... Was no wait, he was with Detroit. What am I saying? Not Larry Foot. You know, I'm why can I not remember the Steelers linebacker? Oh, you guys are going to kill me. You're gonna, you're gonna, I'm so focused on numbers that I can't remember, um, who it is. So that that started off with the Jets and, and everything. It, it wasn't Foot, it was the other linebacker, uh, Farrier. Sorry, Farrier. I could, I know it was an F, that was the problem, and I couldn't remember. Let me actually double check and make sure I'm talking about the right guy that it was James Farrier. Yes, James. Now, he's not counting in this because he was drafted before 2000, but he's an example of someone that you know started off with the Jets, did not have very good AV seasons. His best one was eight. And then he comes to the Steelers and in 2004. He has a he had a, an AV season of 19. So things like that are going to come up because simply because players move on. So to get back to it, to see where the Steelers fall in the AFC using my metric, where you subtract off the number of top 10 draft picks, the New England Patriots also only had two top 10 picks in the last 21 drafts. So they're tied with the Steelers with the top number of 15. The next best number, believe it or not, is not one of the 17s. It was the Indianapolis Colts who had 15 players that that landed in the 50 or above score and with two top 10 picks. And I even remember who those two picks are. They're um, Andrew Luck and Quentin Nelson. So they were up there. 
Um, another team, the next best team was then the Chargers, where they had 17, as I said before, and they had six top 10 picks. And the only other team with double digits was Kansas City, where they had 16 players and six first-round draft picks, where they had to score 10. So I just kind of did this to lay it out to say how many big superstars are they drafting? It looks to where if you do it, it would be Pittsburgh's tied with New England with the score of 15, then Indy at 13, and then the Chargers. I looked at who was the worst ones. And yeah, Cleveland was bad at negative six where they had seven. I mean, they have more top 10 picks, almost twice as many top 10 picks as what they have of players that actually scored out in this. Now, this I think will get better as the years go on because I think they've been doing better with their drafts more recently. But man, were they bad for a long time. Um, Another one that was bad was minus four, Jacksonville, with um, 11 players that are at plus 50 and 15 top 10 picks. And the one that had the fewest players drafted that had an a, a career-weighted AV of 50 or more was the Las Vegas Raiders. They only had four players in the last 21 seasons that have reached that amount. And they drafted in the top 10 nine times. Nine times! So they were at a negative five. So that's where the Steelers fall there. We're going to go ahead and take a break. And we'll come back and I'm going to run down the next thing that I did, which was looking at from 20 or above and you know how well you're drafted those solid players. And then I'll compare it to the NFC and, and come to an ultimate conclusion. So, so far when it comes to drafting guys at the top, the Steelers and the Patriots right there, neck and neck where I would even give the advantage to the Steelers because they have less total draft picks. My goodness, they have 19 less draft picks. Over years. So that's what we'll, we'll continue attacking this right after this break. We're back, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, with this week's episode of Steelers Stat Geek. Man, I'm throwing out some crazy numbers. I hope they make sense to you. I'm trying to figure out a way to to numerically analyze how well teams draft. And so far, looking at the one metric of drafting the best of the best players, the Steelers are right there with them and the Patriots at the top in the AFC. The other thing that I did, from what I explained, is where I was doing players that were of 50 and above, I went back and included the 20 and above, but I didn't subtract off because of top 10 picks or anything. I took that number and divided it by the total number of draft picks they've had over that time. In other words, what percentage of their draft picks were basically starters and very key contributors of ones that they drafted. And these numbers in the AFC were crazy close. But I'm just going to break them down to you after I did that. So I'll I'll start with the Steelers and give you all their numbers and then just tell you how the other teams fared. That it was the Steelers who 
With 46 players scoring 20 or above out of 167, that means that 27.54% of their players have that they've drafted have a um, career-weighted AV of 20 or more. And like I said, this does not take into account, like last year's draft class, the Steelers did really well, like Chase Claypool's sitting at a seven. So obviously he's not even in this. So it's a little bit weighted in that aspect, but that's because the verdict is still out on all these other players. So, but it's the numbers we had, so it's the numbers we rolled with. So they were top. They were the top in the in the AFC North with 27.54. Next was Baltimore with 27.22. Then it was the Bengals with 24.59. And then the Browns with 23.16. Percent. So that went in the same order that it did with drafting at the top versus drafting, um, just getting quality players. Now, if you look at the rest of the AFC, my goodness, there I my I have to look. I think the top eight were all in the twenty seven percent range. So the Steelers were one at twenty seven point five four, and then second was tw- tennis the Tennessee Titans with 27.53 because they were 49 out of 178 draft picks. They were second. Third was New England with 27.42. And then it was, shockingly, the New York Jets at 27.40. And then the Chargers at 27.33 was fifth. If you wanted to keep going, Baltimore was sixth at 27.22. And seventh was Miami with 27.16. Cause remember players like Minka Fitzpatrick count towards Miami. Um, and then last but not least of the 27s was shockingly, shockingly Jacksonville 27.06. So Jacksonville, not good at drafting the superstars, but not terrible at drafting quality players that contribute to their team is the way I looked at it. So that those were the ultimate numbers. Um, for the AFC. So the Steelers were, were tops and very, very close in both of them. Extremely close. Then I went to the NFC. Man, the NFC was all over the place. All over the place. I started off because I went in the same, in, in the same um, order of divisions. I went north, east, south, west. Was how I did the AFC. So I did the NFC in the same order. So I started off with Green Bay, and I'm like, boom, right there. They already have one more player that was in the top 50 than what the Steelers did. They had 18, but they had three picks in the top 10. So their score for their for the what I call the elite players was a 15, just like the Steelers. But they weren't the tops. They weren't the tops. The team that's drafted the most superstars over the last 21 seasons using my metrics is the new Orleans saints. They have 21 players with a score of, of 50 or higher with their career weighted AV. And they only had three top 10 draft picks in that time. So they have a score of 18. That's the best. They were the tops in the NFC with 18 green Bay was 15. The next highest was what I would call in the second tier of the AFC. Because the AFC, I had three teams in the top tier. Pittsburgh and New England at 15 and India at 13. Then the second tier, I had um, the Chargers with 11, the Chiefs with 10, and the Ravens and the Broncos at 9. 
And then I had the bottom dwellers with Miami at zero, Jacksonville at negative four, Raiders at negative five, and Cleveland at negative six. NFC, I mean, they had the Saints and the Packers that were up there, and then it was a then it was a jump. The third best one was Seattle with a score of 10 because they had 13 players and three top 10 picks. And then the next one was Philadelphia with nine, where they had 12 players and three top 10 picks. Then there was a big drop after their top five. I mean, the next highest one after that was six. So the NFC has a lot of teams. You had a lot of teams between like two and six. I mean, a bunch of them. And then they they did have have four teams in the negative. Not four, sorry. Three teams in the negatives, um, just like the AFC. Uh, Detroit was at a negative two with 10 players in the top 50 and 12 top 10 picks. Um, Tampa's also... Man, they were negative two. They only have they had the lowest, they were tied for the lowest of the number of players drafted that ended up in the top that had a score of 50 AV with five and seven first and, and seven top 10 picks. They were at minus two. And then the worst was Washington with only five players and nine top 10 picks. So that was the bottom dwellers in the NFC. So if you want to look at it, and the way I broke it down, New Orleans is first. They're kind of above everyone else. Then you've got the conglomeration of Pittsburgh, New England, Green Bay, and you can throw Indy in there. Those are your top teams using my metrics of drafting more of the superstar players. So let's go to the let's go to the to the players that have a good NFL career, key contributors, guys that that do their thing. They they score 20 or more for their career in the AV department. Um, wow. The NFC was all over the place and their scores blew, blew the AFC out of the water because the Steelers were the top one in the AFC. But if you look at them ranked in the NFL, they would be ninth. There were eight teams that drafted more quality players over the years in the AFC, or sorry, in the NFC, than even the top AFC team. And some of these are going to surprise you. Now, the top one, once again, was New Orleans, but they were at 32.59%. Just for comparison's sake, remember, Pittsburgh was 27.54%. They were at 32.59, followed by Atlanta at 32.47, which is crazy because Atlanta, they only had a score of four when you looked at the top tier guys. Then it was Carolina with 31.61%. They only had a score of six. And the reason for these things is for some reason, there are some, some NFC teams that did not make a bunch of draft picks. New Orleans had 21 players in that top 50, but they had the fewest draft picks in the last 21 years. They only have 135. You know, that's, I mean, that's what, 11 less than the Steelers. So when the Steelers didn't have a ton, um, did I say, did I get that right? Let me look at that. Oh no, that's not eleven less than the Steelers. That was that's thirty-two less. I looked at the wrong number. So they're really, really, really down with their number of draft picks, and that's what makes this percentage so high. Uh, fourth was Chicago with thirty point one three percent, and then fifth, shockingly, Detroit. Detroit with a negative number for drafting superstar players, drafted a number of guys that ended up having decent careers in in the in the NFL with twenty eight point six eight percent. Um, Arizona was 28.39%. Philadelphia was 27.91%. The Giants were 27.74%. They were eighth. That's where the Steelers fell in, just ahead of Green Bay at 27.51%. 
And then the last one I did the top 10 for the NFC. It was Dallas at 26.95. So who, yeah, the NFC there, you know, in the, in the AFC overall, they just were better with more teams drafting superstars in the AFC, but in the NFC, they had a lot more numbers of pulling out quality players throughout the draft with the way their careers panned out um, based on my metrics. I keep having to say my numbers aren't perfect, but uh, it's just what I came up with. But when you combine these two, if you want to combine these two and say, okay, who's the tops here? Who's the tops there? Once again, I've got to give kudos to who I am deeming the number one drafting team over or of this millennium in the NFL is the new Orleans saints. They're the champion from what I got. But then when you look at it, None of the other teams that that did that scored well in the key contributors thing where I found the percentage were teams that did well with the superstars in the NFC until you get down to Green Bay, who was just behind the Steelers in the key contributors. So honestly, um, Tennessee gets a little bit of a boost um, because they have more key contributors than what they had of their um, – of their superstars because their superstars, they, they had a score not very good. They only had three, but um, I'm saying New Orleans saints, they're, they're the cream of the crop, but in that top group, you've got the Steelers, the Patriots and the Packers. That's my top four. If I had to throw in one more, I'm probably see Indy didn't finish very well with drafting the the average guys they were like 12th out of 16 in the AFC so I don't even know that I can throw them in there I can't even do a top five I can just tell you based on my metrics it's New Orleans one and then Pittsburgh Green Bay and New England two three and four I would say in that order but so close you could interchange any of them and that's how it worked out so if you whether you trust my numbers or not, I'm okay if you don't, but I was asked to try to numerically quantify what was going on, and that's the best I could do. So once again, that was taking play how many players had a career-weighted AV score, according to Pro Football Reference, that scored either over a 50 or over a 20 over the last 21 years and, and comparing that all out. And for the cream of the crop um, players, I subtracted off uh, the number of top 10 draft picks because I don't think that's fair because if you're drafting the top 10 all the time, you should be doing that well. So, man, that made your brain hurt probably. It made my brain hurt trying to figure it all out in the first place. But, man, challenge accepted, Brian Anthony Davis, and challenge completed. I hope I did a um, suitable job for you. I don't know if that works or not. But, yes, the Pittsburgh Steelers are in the top class of, of teams when it comes to to drafting players overall um, this millennium. Make sure you're checking out all of our audio-only podcasts and our live shows. I mean, they're all in audio as well. Had a really good one from Wednesday where uh, JTO Sullivan was on the curtain call. If you haven't caught that, you've got to go back and check that out. Um, that that was really great. And of course, make sure you're checking out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It really is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. We're getting ready. We're going to have lots of stuff coming to you podcast-wise uh, with the NFL Draft. We're working on that to make sure we have it all laid out for you to give you a really good announcement of how things are going to be going there. And um, this was fun. Next week will be a little bit different. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and maybe give you a hint of, of what it's about. It's about how long it takes 
Steelers draft picks, especially the ones towards the top of the draft, to get fully integrated into um, into the Steelers and how they do this do that. So I'm going to be looking at that some next week. So once again, thanks for joining me. And as I always say, thanks for geeking out with me. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.